Hello there. Welcome back. It's great to see you again. It goes without saying that this is MLEX's podcast covering the top stories of the moment in the world of regulatory affairs. I'm James Paniki, a senior editor here at MLEX. Thank you very much for your company today. Apologies for my slightly raspy voice. It's just a cold, nothing too serious. Now, as our readers already know, the largest economy in Southeast Asia, Indonesia, has adopted a landmark piece of data protection legislation after many years of discussion and soul-searching on the matter. It's heavily based on the European Union's General Data Privacy Regulation, or GDPR, but, as we'll hear, there are some country-specific elements to it, and there is still some uncertainty about several aspects of the legislation, and also a lack of clarity over what the Data Protection Enforcement Agency might look like. Yet it's clearly an important step, and one that reflects the significant strides that have been made on data protection across the region. Jet Damaso Santos is MLEX's Southeast Asian correspondent, and she joins us now from Jakarta. Uh, Jet, first up, what was the data privacy landscape before this law was passed in Indonesia? Right. So, James, uh, data privacy isn't an entirely new concept in Indonesia. Data protection policies have existed um, in about 30 regulations and laws, including those specific to sectors like health and banking. Um, but the main ones, they're collectively called the PDP regulations or the data, personal data protection regulations. Uh, so there's a 2008 law on electronic information and transactions. There's a government regulation implementing this. Uh, and there's a ministerial regulation specifically on the protection of personal data held by electronic system providers. So these are, you know, basically any person or entity that stores data electronically. Um, what this means is that you know, the concepts of personal data, you know, the need for consent, um, even actually um, mandates or requirements to store certain data locally. Uh, these are not new in Indonesia. In fact, remember the massive Cambridge Analytica scandal back in 2018? At the time, the Indonesian government was threatening to shut down Facebook for failure to comply with these PDP regulations. Okay, so let's talk about this law. What is new about it and how does it change Indonesia's data privacy landscape? Right, so even though there were already data protection rules in place, they weren't comprehensive and they weren't you know, implemented consistently. Uh, so this law will now define the privacy regime of the largest economy in Southeast Asia. But the changes, they will actually feel pretty familiar to privacy professionals because you know, like most um, other privacy regimes today, Indonesia's new law is also heavily influenced by the GDPR. Um, having said that, there will be a number of key changes in Indonesia. For example, um, under the old PDP regulations, consent was the only legal basis that was recognized for processing personal data. But now the new law recognizes legitimate interests, legal obligations, you know, terms that would be familiar to those who already know the GDPR. Before, the law was really just referring to electronic system providers, but now we have um, definitions of what a data controller is and a data processor um, with different sets of obligations. So companies right now are not really required to have a data protection officer, uh, but that will change. In terms of cross-border transfers, the new law will also have provisions similar to the GDPR, uh, which means transfers will be allowed to jurisdictions um, with equal or higher levels of protection, for example. 
uh, under the old regulations, they, these transfers had to be coordinated or reported to the ministry, though you know practitioners say this was never really enforced. Now, you mentioned the GDPR, the European Union's General Data Protection Regulation. Uh, so does this mean that we should also expect that the massive data privacy fines, the penalties that are available under the GDPR, will also uh, be implemented in Indonesia? Well, we don't know yet. Um, under the GDPR, as you know, fines can reach up to 4% of global turnover. Under Indonesia's law, um, it allows for administrative sanctions of up to 2% of annual income or revenue. And uh, unlike the GDPR, it actually has provisions for criminal sanctions of up to six years in jail. But it's not that clear yet whether this fine will be based on income or revenue, whether it's just going to be in Indonesia or globally. So that will be something for the Data Protection Authority to define in upcoming implementing regulations. And that raises the question of whether or not we have a sense at this stage of when we can expect these implementing regulations to to be released. (laughs) That's the other thing. It's also hard to say because one unique thing about Indonesia's law is that it actually doesn't have a provision establishing the data protection regulator. The law mentions it. um, the, The powers are outlined in the law, but it doesn't define how the regulator should be structured and set up. Well, what's the reason for that, for that lack of, uh, of clarity on how the regulator should be established? Uh, so a bit of background first. This law was actually held up for over a year because of this one issue, what the structure of the data protection regulator should be. The communications ministry on one side, um, which has been the one implementing the PDP regulations and was largely in charge of drafting the law, they wanted the regulator to be created under its purview. Um, But then lawmakers, um, and actually a lot of Indonesian data privacy advocates, they argue that the regulator had to be independent, um, largely because the law also applies to government bodies. It was actually pretty frustrating watching them argue about this over a year. But this year, um, they were facing mounting pressure to, you know, actually get the bill passed. Um, Two reasons for that. First, This year, Indonesia is the president of the G20, and one of its main talking points is trusted cross-border data flows. So it's sort of kind of embarrassing to not have a comprehensive data protection law in place while leading these discussions. Um, And then second, there was growing public pressure because of a series of um, pretty embarrassing data breaches um, in Indonesia. You know, the country's entire SIM card registration database containing like over 1.3 billion data points um, was hacked and posted for sale. So basically, in order to get the law passed quickly, uh, lawmakers and the ministry, the government, they just decided to sidestep the question of the regulator structure and leave it for the president to decide. Okay, so has the president actually made a decision on this? And if he has, uh, what does this mean for the implementation of the law? Um, Well, not quite. Not yet. Uh, The president um, just signed the law on the 17th of October. uh, And now his office has to issue a regulation creating the Data Protection Authority, likely in consultation with the ministry. What this means, um, according to data protection advocates, is that this could compromise the authority of the regulator. 
a presidential regulation doesn't exactly carry the same weight as uh, legislation. It can easily be amended. Second, there are questions over whether an agency that's been formed under the executive office or formed by the executive branch would be able to enforce the law on fellow government agencies. And this is crucial because actually a lot of the recent massive data breaches in Indonesia, um, they've involved public institutions. Uh, I was talking to one of the co-founders of the Indonesian Privacy Practitioners Association, Pak um, Dani Kobrata, and he was telling me he's expecting there will be discussions on administrative law about this. So basically how strong and effective this regulator will be is going to depend on, you know, quote unquote, the goodwill of the president who creates it. And I'm borrowing the words here of Pak uh, Wahyudi Jafar. He's one of the biggest data privacy advocates in Indonesia. As for the time frame on this, when can we expect it all to happen? In theory, soon, because the, on- the law only provides a two-year transition period. But you know, the presidential decree has to be issued first, and then the regulator actually has to be set up, its officials appointed, before it can go about drafting the implementing regulations. To be honest, though, given Indonesia's track record in these things, I'm not going to bet that these regulations are going to be ready by the time that two-year transition period is finished. So it will likely be a while before the new law is actually enforced. Okay, so what this actually means for companies operating in the country, and I mean, I'm being devil's advocate here, but could they uh, simply ignore it for now? And if they don't, uh, you know, well, tell me something about how industry is in fact responding to the law and preparing for it? It depends on the kind of company you talk to. So I've spoken to the legal counsel of a major telecom here who was actually pretty dismissive about it because he said, um, if you're already benchmarked against the most stringent data privacy regime in the world, like the GDPR, then you're pretty much fine. But I've also seen, you know, legal counsels from local companies ask so many questions about what this means for them. Uh, So there is that concern. Um, I heard even a power generation company, which you'd expect to not be concerned so much with personal data, right? Um, It was sending law firms requests for proposals on a data privacy gap analysis. So basically, if you're on the cautious side, doing a gap analysis now based on global best practices is not a bad idea, you know, while waiting for Indonesia to figure itself out. And uh, Jet, finally, this is part of a wider trend throughout Southeast Asia, right? I mean, it's not just Indonesia that's tightening privacy rules at the moment. Right. So yes, in the past five months, we've seen a lot of data privacy developments across Southeast Asia. You know, in June, Thailand's data privacy law went into effect after a two-year delay. Um, In August, the Philippines issued a circular on administrative fines. Uh, So now companies can be fined up to 3% of their annual gross income. From October 1st, uh, substantially higher fines in in Singapore's personal data protection law also took effect. Um, On the same day, over in Vietnam, there was also a decree requiring local companies to onshore their data that took effect. So a lot of things are happening in the region. Yes, indeed, a flurry of activity. It's so great to have you on the ground covering all of these issues. Thank you so much for your work on this, Jet. Happy to speak with you, as always. 
Jet Damaso Santos covers regulatory affairs for MLEX from Southeast Asia and will post a link to her writing on Indonesia's new data privacy legislation at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. There's a tab there called News Hub. Click on that and you'll have a world of reporting and analysis at your fingertips. As for this podcast, you can subscribe through iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify and Stitcher if you haven't already done so. Rate and review us where possible. It helps us attract new listeners. Next Friday on the podcast, we'll be chatting with our London-based M&A correspondent, Victoria Ibitoye, about Meta's acquisition of Giphy, which has now been unwound as a result of regulatory concerns in the UK. It's an interesting story for so many reasons. It will also give us a chance to return to the vexed question of whether a GIF is indeed pronounced GIF or GIF, definitely the former as far as I'm concerned, but we'll discuss that on the program next week. I hope you can join us then. Today's podcast was presented and produced by me, James Paniki, published with the kind assistance of MLEX's marketing team in London. Executive producer of the podcast is Richard Thompson. From me, James Paniki, and everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you for your company. Bye for now. Bye for now.